just a note about this podcast, we are two adult humans, just about. There will be some adult human language. So if you have very sensitive ears, or if you're my mum, please stop listening. Thanks. Bye. And welcome to Movie Grouch and Fanboy Podcast. My name is Bex. Look up your kids, look up your vulnerable people, look up your sons because I am a stinking old movie grouch. But then you can unlock them, let them all out again, enjoy some fresh air because, you know, we've all been on lockdown, we're going a bit crazy because everybody's favourite lovely fanboy is here with me. It's Blake. Hello. I don't understand the locking up people because, because you're miserable. I'm a but I don't understand why you have to lock people up. Because I'm scary. You're not, you're about as scary as a four-year-old. Well, then I need to work on that. <laughs> scary as a four-year-old. So a four-year-old bizarre. could be scary if it's saying like I'm seeing ghosts and hearing a zombie voices. four-year-old would be scary, like yeah. in the opening scene of uh, Dawn of the Dead remake. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're not scary, so nobody needs to be locked up. Well. Don't do any looking up then. Retrospectively, please don't do any looking up. So what have you been watching this week? What have I been watching this week? I have been watching a lot of Drag Race. Do you want to give it its full name? Because people just might think you just been watching Drag racing. Race. racing. Drag Race. Oh, not Drag Racing, no. Yeah, see? Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, All Stars, Season 5. It's cool. very good. Enjoying it? I am enjoying it. It's all previous contestants over various seasons mm. and they come back to kind of like So not previous winner. So the term All no. Stars is a bit loosey-goosey. I actually think the All Stars, the calibre of the All Stars contestants is higher than the regular drag race contestants. Well, what you could, well, I suppose actually you could, it's called All Stars because they were some of the high drag stars. But if it was the champions, it'd probably be called RuPaul's Champions. Maybe, I don't know. I'm having trouble with the words that are used. I don't know if I agree, but anyway. I don't watch Do any ever watch one series of Drag Race? Yeah. And that was the UK one, that doesn't even count. Yeah. And now you're like spokesperson for World of Wonder TV. So yeah, I've been watching Drag Race, I've been watching Glow Up, which I made you watch an episode of and you hated, which was the makeup challenge thing. But I love that, that's on iPlayer. And I play where I've been knocking it out of the park recently. Uh, I watched a drama series called Trigonometry. Cool. Uh, which was really, really great. Um, basically, kind of story about a throuple. Uh, a girl and a guy and another girl and the story of their relationship. And it's just it's exactly. just really good. Thanks to lads, lads, lads culture. We tend to think of like throuples and people having in a three-way relationship just having... As a sexual thing. Pornographic sex. Yeah. And actually this is sort of quite a... It's a really sweet story. Humanistic. Yeah, it is. It. And you kind of... You really get the feeling that they all kind of care for each other. And it's really sweet. So yeah, I've really enjoyed that. And obviously we're watching I May Destroy You. As yeah, well, it's brilliant. Is... We've been watching that together, haven't we? Yeah. Must say, that it's really one good. of the things we've watched together. It's yeah. really good. She's a talent, Michaela Cole. I think yeah, she's, she's awesome. Incredible. I hope she's around for a long time. Yeah. Because she's good. Although I do kind of feel old watching it yeah you said that you feel feel like you've missed out not that Uh, I've missed out just that it's weird watching a TV show when you know that there's like like I'm looking at it thinking like oh yeah they're kind of like similar situations that I've got in or people that I knew friends had got in whereas there were probably 
people watching that who are going to be like, oh my God, that's so my friend. She does that. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it just yeah. makes me feel really super old. How about you? What have you been watching? Um, I watched the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on Lance Armstrong. It's the best part of three hours split over two episodes. Oh. Incredible story, like twisted and weird. But he was always going to be an elite athlete, it turns out. And the only reason he re- he was one of the later cyclists to start cheating because mm. everyone else was. It was quite an odd world. Cycling was very dirty. But it goes back to when he was 15 and beating the best triathletes. No, Ironman. He was doing, was it Ironman or triathlons? I can't remember. He was doing either Ironman or tri- triathlons at 15. His ability to, as an athlete has always been incredible by standard things. But yeah. You will and never get those three hours back. I really enjoyed it. So I'm not fine. Oh man, fine. the thought of sitting down and having to watch a sport documentary for three hours. I don't really give a shit about Lance, 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 Lance Armstrong. I don't care about him. I don't care about Lance Armstrong. Well, it's a good job you didn't watch it then, isn't it? Yes. And I, I really enjoyed it. Well, speaking and knocking it out of the park, ESPN have done two great 30s recently, which was that one and the Bruce Lee one, which I watched a few weeks ago, which was oh, superb yeah. too. Um, that's about it. Loads of Antinable Day. Very good. Watching too, but that's it. But we're not here to talk about what we've watched together no. and separately. No, we're, we're talking not. about a film yeah. that we have watched together. So if you are, if you have not listened to Move Grouch and Fanboy before, you are listening to the podcast in which we watch film and then we have a chat about it, which doesn't actually sound that remarkable or unremarkable. <laughs> really it sounds that really one. kind of dull, doesn't it? Until you consider the fact that I have ridiculous reasons for not seeing films. And when I turned 40, Blake and I decided that we would call time on this shit. Blake would make a list of 40 films that he really loves, that I haven't seen, that he feels are important, or that I should have seen by the age of 40. And then we we talk about what my preconceived ideas are, we have a chat about it, and we find out whether my feelings are valid or whether they're just a big old bag of shite. Yeah. Uh, So. And what did we watch this week? This week, we watched... I can't remember. Not zero dots. It's going well, isn't it? Yeah, but this... Come on. We've already recorded this once and the file didn't save, so we've had to do it again. The... Hurt Locker. There we go. Yay. Synopsis, please. So, the thing is with the Hurt Locker, right, I did some Googling and the plot seems to change quite a bit. So, for example, like the mm, Google... I don't know, the Google plot whatever that is. The Google gods. Yeah, the Google gods are saying, Sergeant William James is tasked with training a bond disposal team during the Iraq war. His ideologies and reckless approach towards the job give rise to conflicts with his subordinates. Now, I missed the bit where they said that Jeremy Renner's character was training everybody else. Yep, that's not true. So I don't think that's the plot. I think that's a load of hooey. Yeah, it's a load of old hooey. We watched The Hurt Locker... It was, we streamed it on BBC iPlayer, which yeah. I think it's there for another week, uh, which is probably a little bit less now, given yeah. that we've had to funny around and with this. it's on our, um, Amazon? Amazon Prime. Yeah. You just, do you know this for definite? I know this for definite. Or you I just... researched it. Hypothesising. I, it is on there. Um, Hypothesising. It's also on YouTube for a small fee. <laughs> I think two ninety nine. Um, <laughs> do you know that or are you making that up? No, 100%. I've looked it up. I would just come in about facts. Wouldn't you? No. 
Speaking of facts, well, look, fact, I don't know if ratings from IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes count as facts, but IMDb has, on IMDb, it has a score of 7.6, and then on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience review is 84% and the critics' reviews are 97%. So it's quite highly rated, regarded, rated, regarded mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as a movie across the two spectrums that people probably go to for scores and reviews of a film. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's what we watched. So I sh- with the first question is... What has stopped you from seeing this film? I wasn't that fast about watching it. Okay, cool. Is that all you have to say? <laughs> no, I lo- so I like old school war films. Growing up in my house... Dambusters? It's really hard not to have seen at least one war film all the way through. I still have managed not to see Das Boot or... Okay. What's the other one? Sink the Bis- Is it Sink the Bismarck? Don't know. You say the other one? There's hundreds of war movies. I know, but like there's there's two really big ones that always played in my house. My dad always I, had like Das Boot. My mum really loves Das Boot, and I think my dad. But it was always like Sink the Bismarck or something like that. Not the Dambusters. It was always on. Um, no, I don't remember that being on. Okay. It was always, like, always on, kind of like film four, like. And then there was loads of John Mills ones and all the rest of it. So old school war films I can get on board with. Uh, I like The Wooden Horse, which yeah. is a really good film. Yeah. Our Happy Breed, This Happy Breed with Celia Johnson yeah. from Brief Encounter. Right. I love that film, mainly because there's a lady called Queenie in it, and I think Queenie's a really great name. And I love Housewife 49, but they all kind of focus on like the sociological effects of war, so it's kind of the like partners. how people are dealing with life in wartime. Did you ever watch Robert Lindsay thing? As time goes, was it as time, not as time goes time by. Goes by. That was Judy Dench and uh, forget Jeffrey Palmer. Yeah, you weirdly really like that yeah, comedy. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, oh, there, there's a Robert Lindsay, Robert Lindhurst. Oh, good night, sweetheart. Yes. No. Duh. It was bloody awful. It was terrible. And I think Robert Lindsay's quite an attractive. Dutch yeah, my mum. My mum's got a thing for Robert Lindsay. Yeah, he's quite a good-looking older man. Yeah. Not in my family, though. No, I guess not. <laughs> I mean, he's not in my family, <laughs> but I don't find very attractive straight, in, my in my family, family either. Yeah. I'm going to stop here because I just want to say Robert Lindsay is not in my family. Yeah, but um, he is in my family. The TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's uh, it's too easy. Oh man, we're um, hilarious. So, what was your so back to the back to the content? Yeah. What was your preconceived idea of this movie? That it was going to be like a study on the emotional effects of war. So I kind of thought like the hurt locker might be like a metaphorical hurt locker. So like people are suffering and struggling with all this stuff that they've been and seen during active service and all the rest of it. And also I thought it might have a scene where there were some lockers. <laughs> So, so literally, you wanted lockers I or wanted thought locker, they were lockers, yeah. and figuratively, yeah. I mean, ideally, really, what I would like to have seen, so I knew exactly where I was, would be for somebody to get punched really badly and then get pushed into a locker, and then they would be in the locker hurting. That would that would just would have been perfect. Oh, uh, brilliant! That's. <laughs> I think we could end the podcast there. That was gold. I'm really sorry. That was golden. I've, I've been at work for about like seven hours that and I've literally incredible. just been staring at a computer and I've gone a bit de Yeah. So. You yeah. wanted to record this podcast I know, anyway. I know. 
So the opening scenes and the setup of the story arc. Well, I would argue that there wasn't an arc to the story. Okay. And I think by the time there was like a change in pace, I personally didn't give a shit about the main character. Which is Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. Renner playing Sergeant William James. Yes, well done. No, we haven't got that written down. Right? Well no, done, I so yeah, it has three leads effectively. Jeremy Renner as Sergeant William James, um, Anthony Mackie as Sergeant Sanborn, or JT Sanborn. Don't think we ever learn his first no, name. No, he was just a Sanborn. And then and uh, Brian Garrity as Specialist Owen Eldridge. They have three leads effectively. It starts with the team defusing a bomb in mm. Iraq. Yeah. And uh, the bomb tech is Guy Pierce's character, Sergeant Matt Thompson. Spoiler alert, he dies very early on. I think within the first eight minutes. And then that's when we meet Sergeant James. Yeah. Um, and he comes in and becomes the bomb, the bomb tech for the little unit. Basically, yeah. doesn't he? That character has real big dick energy. It was just like a series of vignettes of, where, of how he was just using that to piss everybody off. From from the opening scenes, the tension was there. It yeah. was really set. Yeah. Just say the story was just, are they going to survive or aren't they going to survive their tour, really? It wasn't really a beginning, middle and an end film. Yeah. I mean, there was a, a beginning, there was a middle and an end, but it the story kind of didn't really arc much within those points. Yeah, that makes sense. Story arc and plot as it goes along. How do you feel about that? I think you kind of summed it up in a weird way that you don't feel like it. It it, it jumped along in any. No, particular... it, it doesn't really go anywhere. But it but when like because most of the film you kind of spend your time looking at um, Sergeant James and kind of thinking, God, this guy's a bit of a dick. Yeah, he's a really um, good. Tech. He's really good at what he does. Yeah. Yeah, he's really good at what he does. By the time you get to understanding that when he goes home back to civilian life, he's really struggling with the mundanity of it and he can't, he doesn't get that thrill or that excitement from clearing the gut or doing the shopping or cooking dinner or all the rest of it. I kind of am like, I'm not entirely sure I really care that much about this character. Yeah. So for me, that that kind of reveal of that emotional or that kind of um, character need came a bit too late because by then I was like I just don't really care that much so you lost interest in I lost interest in, in his character in his character but yeah. not the film no is that yeah, fair I think that's is fair. that a fair assessment I think that's fair yeah but by the time the round peg got in the round hole I was a bit like alright oh, okay so that's why he is the way it is well, what to do right okay okay yeah. no that's fine I kind of know what you mean in some weird way but it doesn't detract from the film for me if you know what I mean. I picked up what I really liked the most about this film for me was the tension of how unwelcome oh, yeah. they, they were. The, the scenes where it's they're in the cities and they're or they're disposing of bomb or you know wherever they might be that might be mm. may or may not be hostile. I think the tension was superb, and I think that is what I enjoy the most in this movie. Yeah, like, it def- nails it for me. You definitely get a sense of. They're not welcome there. Yeah. People are watching them at every kind of turn. The minute they, they're in that kind of the residential streets, you've got people kind of peering out of curtains yeah. and sort of just watching, I guess, from curiosity, I guess. Yeah. But a that, bit of fear or whatever. But it, it, that that felt, you were never sure whether that was out of yeah. curiosity or whether it was Yeah, and I think, that's what, I, I think that's what they did. It's like you got the... 
you got this immense feeling that they definitely weren't welcomed by everyone, not just by people that might be bad. Yeah. But then you also got the threat, the potential threat that the American soldiers could be under. And I thought yeah. it was a really good balance, especially like in the middle of the film as it sort of goes along. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. It really, like that was a big highlight for me. Yeah. Right. That's all. I'll let you have that yeah, one. Thanks. That was <laughs> Closing scenes of the movie. Well, it's just he just goes back to Iraq, doesn't he, for another tour? So yeah, he goes. So his 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 time is That's up. It. He goes home for a bit. I love. I really love how you're trying to stretch this out, like to be all it can well, be. Well, we need some content. But I mean, there's just, a lot more questions, but we need some no, content. No, we're at 22 minutes. We don't need content. Content is what we don't need. We're fine. He's just get like look. He arrives in Iraq. He defuses some bombs. He has a, nearly has a fight with Sanborn. Then a bit later, he goes home. Then he, we find out that he's really bored doing shopping. Then he gets back on a plane, going, goes to Iraq, Four walks off shopping. a plane, film ends. That's it. That okay, is it in a cool. nutshell. All right, brilliant. What, what, what do you want to know? Are you happy with that? But that's what happens. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a dick about it. You're that funny. is what happens. You are funny. Um, okay, so... Okay, cool. Closing. All right then. Favourite character? Did you have a favourite character? Yeah, I did. It was um, Specialist Eldridge. I yeah. thought he was really good. Um, just purely because he had the most growth. Sanborn and James do have a little bit of growth. But with Sanborn, it's not as... He seems quite angsty towards James. So I think you're sort of maybe not paying as much attention to right. that, I okay. guess. Yeah. Um, but with... With Eldridge, he had the most tangible and I guess the most realistic growth. He was he was struggling with situations. He kind of struggled to, to know how to take control when they met Rafe Fiennes out in the desert. Does Rafe Fiennes just stay in the desert waiting so, for yeah, people there's, to so pop up? There's a pretty tense scene where they're in the desert off. They're on their way. They've been out to defuse some bombs, haven't they? And then they're, they're on their yeah, way back. On their way and, and then... A jeep's lost a wheel or something. Yes, yeah, so they meet they a bunch off. of um, contractors, basically, is what they are. Uh, obviously, British soldiers. And the leader of the contractors is Ray Fiennes. But, um, which was just quite odd to see him pop up. But the English patient was set in the desert, wasn't it? Yeah. I haven't seen it. But I'm just wondering if Ray Fiennes just spends his time in the desert in between shooting films, just in case anybody is shooting a film and needs somebody that's experienced with the desert climate. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> It's Maybe if you go to the desert and you say Ray Fines, Ray Fines, Ray Fines three times if you're shooting a movie, well, like you just pop man. up from behind a sand dune and be like, all right, I'm here. Like the candy I'm available man. to work. The yeah, that kind of thing. Can... Yeah, that's quite possible, isn't it? It is. So. <laughs> you're clearly not paying attention because no, you're I, like. No, I am. That is possible that Ray Fines could just pop up from no, behind a sand dune. No, I am. I'm just trying anytime. to add something afterwards. He had to take out a sniper near some goats and a man that a sniper was by a bridge and um, Eldridge, not Eldridge, Sanborn and James are trying to shoot out a house completely, they're, they're, they're like completely different directions and James is basically saying to Eldridge, use your, use your judgment, shoot if you think, yeah. yeah, if you think you need to shoot him, shoot yeah. him and you can see that there's like a, oh, what do I do and he ends up shooting him and then James kind of says under his breath, he's like, oh, good call. So it was nice to, Nice to see that character have that struggle and then have that positive reinforcement that they had made the right decision. Yeah. Um, and Eldridge just seemed to have growth 
that was a little bit more relatable because like I mean I don't walk around with big dick energy do you walk around with big dick energy I don't know you tell me (laughs) I don't know like you don't walk in like you we'll put it this way you didn't walk around like sergeant you don't walk around like sergeant James then no I don't obviously maybe I need to change that (laughs) I don't know but I think I wonder whether as humans we're just kind of anybody that's a little bit too overconfident we're a bit like ooh a bit wary of yeah especially if you're not a very confident person or you have sometimes like sometimes it's a mask an appropriate isn't it? level mm. of confidence and then yeah. somebody kind of comes in and you're like whoa okay well it's like when they you know everyone's got it's like those people that to be the big dog in a group and be the funny guy they sort of put other people down for the attention and you know, not yeah, that you but similar sort of thing. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so yeah. yeah so your favourite? Okay. Yeah. Did you have a worst character? Yeah, the guy who was asking Sergeant James how many bombs he's disposed of. That scene, I was just waiting for him to get a bollocking. Right. Okay. Why? Why a bollocking? He just had that look about him, and he's like, "Oh, hey, ma'am." Hey, Sergeant, how many bombs have you disposed? It just looked like there was a catch. Right. Like a nasty catch. And I think because because James is so renegade and he's kind of not got much regard for... He's not got much regard for his own safety or his team's safety. Right. I think I was waiting for somebody higher up just to kind of give him a bollocking and be like, look, you can't go throwing yourself around a full Cortina when there's explosives in there because it might go off. Right, okay. Regardless of whether you think it's in the front seat, the boot, the tyre, the chassis, wherever you think it is, you've just got to like just go a bit careful here. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he was my worst character. Fair enough. Um, well, did you have a favourite scene, best scene, favourite scene, whatever you want to call it? Yeah, I did. It was quite early on, and it's the first shout that they get when James has joined the squad. And there's a scene where they, they kind of put on this big suit, or James puts on this suit, the bomb and just suit, the bomb the, suit, yeah. and sort of like swags off down the road. And there's a scene where they don't really know where the bomb is or what's happening. And a taxi driver kind of just comes, or a taxi just comes screeching in from one side, and James and this taxi are kind of, James pulls a pistol and is pointing it at the the taxi driver in the car and it reminded me because because the suit that james is wearing is so massive it looks like a space suit almost um and it kind of reminded me of the wish you were here album cover by pink floyd i got i don't know why because none of those people are in space suits but that <laughs> Which my album? mind works wish you were here right okay yeah yeah my mind works the way it works what can i say <laughs> Um, but the really great touch was where the rear view mirror was um, like shattered. So there was a really great shot where you were in the back seat of the taxi. You could see James pointing the revolver and you can see the taxi driver's eyes in this slightly shattered rear view mirror. And it just gives a really distorted view and it just added to the sense of confusion because you didn't know why that taxi driver was there. You didn't know whether he was there to try and detonate the bomb or he'd just taken a wrong turning and just ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time so I thought that was really really good what did confuse me is the fact that that big suit did look a bit like a space suit right why did that confuse you and because Anthony Mackie and Jeremy Renner have been in Marvel films for the first 
10, 15 minutes, I did at times have to remind myself that this wasn't a superhero film. And then right. once I got into it a bit more, it was fine. But I was kind of expecting Antingamaki just to shoot off off a building and open up his falcon wings and uh, sweep Different off. film. Different film altogether. Yeah. Different film. Uh, did you have a worst scene? Oh, the bit where the guy was asking about the number of bombs that he'd disowned. It was really bizarre. Right, it was. And I think we get at that point as well, we've seen him disarm bombs, we know that he's pretty shit hot at this. Why do we need to know that he's disarmed 837 bombs? Do you reckon it's to add to his ego? Maybe. So, like, you get a sense where, yeah, but I wonder if it comes in as a point of it adds to his ego. Yeah. Because at first he does, he just says, oh, I don't know. And he asks him again, and mm. he has the exact number. The, the reason he, like, James might be the way he is, is because he's a little bit obsessive about it, which is why he's so good. Yeah. And this is why the ego is so big, is because everything feeds into everything else. So it's almost cyclical with him. So there's his ability, which is great, mm. and then his love for the job and getting off clearly getting off on the adrenaline yeah and then the ego and it just is a continuous circle maybe yeah I hadn't thought of that you know and that could be it could because I think that going back to what you were saying about the development of the plot you're right you don't know why we don't really know why he is the way he is no like you get a sense of it come the end Mm. but as you sort of say at that point you don't really care because they've left it too late yeah. And, you know, so... I guess it kind of feeds into there is a bit of modesty there because I think if you were a really egotistico... Ego, egotistico... <laughs> I came out really Plymouth then, like, didn't it? Yeah, like cucumbers. Yeah, right. If you were real egotistico, right, what you would do if somebody asked you how many bombs you've disposed of, you would be like, oh, I've done 837. Mm. Whereas actually for him to go, oh, I don't know the number... Yeah, and then the guy was a bit weird. And then about was it. like, "Oh, come on, come on." Yeah, I guess maybe that shows a bit of his modesty and that he he does have a bit of not self respect, but he does have like a bit a of, bit of reserve about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that he's not all yeah. big dick energy. Awesome. Okay, so that's pretty much the film wrapped up. So scoring soundtrack. Well, it wasn't really a score, was it? No, not so much. It was just instrumental bits. I really hated the end song. I understand what they were doing by trying to kind of merge all the like the heavy guitars and the drums with the kind of more um, traditional Middle Eastern kind of vocals, but it just didn't work. It didn't work for me. It just jarred really badly, and I just wanted it to end. And I actually quite like Middle Eastern. Okay. It's got quite a haunting quality to it, some lyrical stuff, mm-hmm. and I quite like that. But yeah, no. Not together. Yeah, I would say the focus is more about noise than the soundtrack of this film yeah, to create sure. the atmosphere. For sure. Like, because if you're watching a horror, there'll be noise and stuff kind of to make you feel a certain way. Yeah. If you're watching a sad film, there'll be a certain piece of music on that helps you feel sad. Because actually, if you watch some of this stuff, without certain sounds that you, your emotions aren't there they're not quite the same yeah, they're not engaged I in feel the same way the they? sound of this film feeds the tension really yeah. well it's obviously well quite well thought out and that leads us on to the director and her other work it won four Oscars in total 
It won Best Film and Best Director in 2009. It I was released in 2008, but it was up for nomination in 2009. I think it also won a BAFTA as well, or it certainly yeah. got nominated for a BAFTA. Um, this, the year, the films that it were up against, which is, I forgot about this, but now that I've looked it up, I do remember. In 2009, it was up, like, so Catherine Bigelow is the director of this movie. Mm-hmm. She was up against her ex-husband, James Cameron, for Avatar. I haven't seen Avatar. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's not surprising. Um, other films it was up against for uh, best film or best director, just a couple. Uh, Avatar, The Blind Side, District 9. Um, up. District 9? Yeah. That's not the one where they all go Shrimps. to a party and nope. they get locked in the flat with the, with the aliens. There's like a blue light. What is that? I get District 9 and... Oh, you're, there is that alien film. There District is 9 is... It's, this is Peter Jackson and uh, Neil, Neil... Who? Peter, Peter Jackson? Peter Jackson... <laughs> Peter Jackson and Neil Bloomkamp uh, movie. <laughs> Literally, you had to say Bloomkamp and Jackson was the name that you stumbled over. That's amazing. Um, yeah, sort of aliens. It's about Neil aliens. Is yeah. that the one that's set in South Africa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Because Neil Bloomkamp is South African and so was the lead. Um, Chateau, 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 I don't know how you say the name, Chateau Copley. Oh, okay. Yeah, was lead and he's South African too. So it kind of makes sense. Um, Inglorious Bastards was up as uh, well for something the same year, I believe. Not massively strong contenders, really. Uh, I no, I guess not. No, I no. didn't like Up. Yeah, it was because you're weird. But no, um, have a work though. Probably a best film. Point Break, I would say. Bloody love that movie. I wouldn't have said that the director of the Hair Locker made Point Break because Point Break is fantastic. It is brilliant. I mean, even now, it's still amazing fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Zero Dark Thirty, so another Middle Eastern war film. Yeah. But this one was based on... Andy McNabb's fact, fact. Book. No. <laughs> <laughs> what am I thinking of? Bravo. Bravo. Bravo Bravo Two Zero. <laughs> Bravo Bravo for zero. zero. Why? You're bringing in a... Wow. I mean, that is knowledge, knowledge. But you just made... You just is it, added, what is it? Bravo, Bravo to Zero? Yeah, let's call it that. Zero Dark Thirty is the film, but Bravo... I think it's Bravo to Zero. Which are the books? Which is Andy McNabb. Yeah. Let, yeah so let's what's go, Zero Dark Thirty based on then? The... Andy McNabb's book? No. <laughs> no. The capture and killing of Osama Bin Laden. The oh. SEAL team. Oh, I mean, to be fair, that is a hell of a story. It I is watched a, a documentary on that. It it's pretty amazing. Yeah, um, which that film's it's all right. It's pretty cool from what I remember. I think I've watched it once or twice. My favourite bit of that story is that the I think the night that the Navy SEALs went to Afghanistan, yeah. Barack Obama was giving like a big his annual big dinner that he does at the White House, and they had a comedian make a joke about how he reckoned that Obama knew where Bin Laden was. And that he wasn't letting on. And that guy, like, they've got the footage and Obama's poker face is fucking superb. Really? It is so weird. It's so weird. No. But it's, like, it was a whole comedy of errors and how they ever got him. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well, okay. I'll uh, check that's, it out. that's a total aside. Yeah. Um, so she also made uh, Blue Steel in the early 90s with Jamie Lee Curtis. 
Sounds like it should be a porno. Yeah, it's still. not. It's definitely not. I mean, not the version I've seen anyway. The prob- I imagine there is a porno called Blue Steel. Um, she made another film about a Russian submarine called K-19, The Widowmaker. <laughs> and then a few... Is that where your nickname comes from? Yeah, obviously. It's not my nickname. It's only one person <laughs> calls me. So uh, Blake has a friend who refers to Blake as Blaker Staker, Widowmaker. Yeah. So it's... that film is based on me, clearly. Yeah. Um, and then the one film that I've not watched by her that's on this short short she's made other she's been involved with other is Detroit, which oh, we, we should were watch talking about in the car. Yeah. Yep. Um so that's her quite a career really. She's awesome. Great filmmaker in my opinion. Right, fact, please. You every week, every film, every week, you have to bring a fact and see whether I know about it or not. Are you ready for this one? I am so ready. After a few civilians, so this is to do with uh, Sanborn. Okay. So, yeah, so this is to do with Sanborn and um, what he did after the Hurt Locker, what that character did after the Hurt Locker. After a few civilians spot some significant flaws in the sophisticated computer system and caused havoc, Sanborn decided to get out of the army. But he didn't want to stop serving the veteran community or fighting bad guys, so he did what every veteran is capable of becoming. A superhero falcon named Falcon. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Not a fact. Not a fact. Absolutely not a fact, but I found that nugget. That Thank you, cool. internet, that's, and uh, I had to share. That's some good fan fiction. Cool, thank you for that. That really, really, really helped. Did you fall asleep? No, I didn't. Good, that's a good sign. I got a little bit twitchy about an hour, to, with about half an hour to go. Yeah, okay. But I didn't fall asleep. No, that's good. Um... So, were your prejudgments of this movie correct? Not really. Well, why is that? Because nobody got punched and then put in a locker to hurt in silence and solitude. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> your final thoughts? Right. So, I think it was a good film. I did enjoy it. I didn't feel that my life is enriched. Some of the films that are on the list, I expect to have at least one or two well let's put it this way before we came up with the podcast two years ago for the first time you watched Goodfellas oh, and you film. now sort of reference that film you bring it up in conversation yeah. every time I chop garlic I'm like can I do it <laughs> it's so yeah it's so Go I'm hoping that, razor that yeah on the on the list there is some films that give you yeah, so I'm, I'm fully expecting to have a moment where I'm like, why haven't I watched yeah. this? This was incredible. I hope there is some on there. Doesn't make for a good podcast if you speak to some people, but that's there's probably going to be some stinkers on there. I'm just going to be like, why the hell have you made me watch this? But, the, the, but also, that is the point, is to get your take on them as much as anything else. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't feel like my life has been changed for watching this. I did enjoy it. I didn't think it was worth the accolades that it received, but actually hearing the films that it was up against in the year that it went through all its awards, I don't think it was a particularly, in my opinion, it wasn't a particularly strong field. I didn't really like Up. The blind side just made me bawl like a small child that had had its balloon burst throughout because it was just so lovely. Anthony Mackie was great in it. Jeremy Renner was great. Um, I've yet to see a whole load of range from... Jeremy Renner I do like Jeremy Renner a lot like he's been in things like The SWAT and The Town like I think he'd be really good as a really evil gangster he's so good in The Town 
best Boston accent I've ever heard from a non-Bostonian in any movie. So I googled something that was really bizarre. So I was looking at Jeremy Renner and we had a chat about it, didn't we, while we were watching it because I was like, I always thought he was quite short and actually he's five foot eight. But I was like, he's got massive, massive hands. And I ended up... Hello! (laughs) No. Oh, no. Keep keep your mind out of the gutter, you filth monger. I looked at this article where somebody had written on their blog about the fact that he might have, like, clubbing of the nails. Right. And this woman wrote, like, this open letter to him about how it potentially might be a sign that he's got liver failure or heart failure and that she really hopes that he's gone to get this checked out by a doctor. And she went so far as to say, right, that when he was filming The Town, she noticed that he was really embarrassed by his hands and kept hiding them either in his pockets or under paper or under props. And I was like... Fucking hell. That's incredible. I I was a bit I now need to watch The Town and see if that's a thing. She's just sort of said, oh, I'm just putting this out there just in case, you know, I, I just really hope he's got he's got it sorted. And I was just like, what what corner of the internet have I stumbled onto here? It was really bizarre. Fucking hell. That yeah. is mental. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. What are people like? Very um, concerned for Jeremy Renner's well-being, apparently. So, is that your final thought? That is my final cool. thought. Cool. I... I I, I like it. I think it's a good take on a war film. I think it's quite a it's quite a cool story. It's tense. It's not sort of all that action like gunfights and stuff. There's a bit no. of that. Um, and it was it's more, it was cool. I like it still. I still like it. I don't know if I like it as much as I did ten years ago because it came out in two thousand and eight. Yeah. So that yeah, ten years, twelve years ago. I'm I not, think I'm the... not sure if I like it as much as I did the first time I saw it, but I did. I think it holds up quite well. I'd watch it again, actually. I think it's one of those films that I could put on in the background yeah. and have as, like, background yeah. company. Yeah, yeah. But I think when you look at the, some of the movies that have come out recently that have gone for Oscar and, and other awards, I just think there's no comparison. Like, to put it next to Joker, mm. I'm just like, nah. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. It's Yeah, I mean, a lot changes over yeah. 12 years as well, you know. Things yeah, and we were change, saying this... change and, you know... We were saying this last time we recorded that is it fair to kind of judge it in that way? Because yeah. filmmaking's probably moved on within 10 years. You know, we've had Hereditary, we've had... Yeah, such a good horror. We've had Joker, we've had all these kind of really amazing films that have changed genres in subtle ways. And original voices as well, like making movies, being involved with movies. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, we've you had... You know, yeah, you think about it. Jordan Peele coming along. Yeah. Huge and, you know... Yeah, and we've got, you know, like now we're in the middle of a mass Black Lives Matter um, movement. Not movement, that's always been a movement, but it's kind of, it's really gathered pace. You know, we've had Black Panther. Yeah. We've had um, Me Too's happened as well. All that kind of shoves it forward. Or shoves filmmaking forward and kind of pushes people to make different kinds of movies. So, yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, I would watch it again. Cool. Um, that's good. That's a good sign. Yeah. Um, and finally, we'll score out of ten, please. Six and a half. Six and a half. Six and a half. Six and a half. Half and half and all. <laughs> okay, I think that's quite a fair. I'd probably give it seven. Probably give it half a point more. But yeah, no, cool. Mm. Yeah. Anything to add? You've diddled me out of Law Abiding Citizen. Okay. We've got tomorrow night free. <laughs>
Oh, I think I'm going to have to work. Oh, really? <laughs> you say diddle like you're excited and then you go, oh, I might have to work. What is well, it? I kind of Do like... Do you want it or no? <laughs> Do you want it or not? Um, Make a decision. Am I going to like it? The whole or am I going to grump like, all over it? I am I going to be like so grouchy that I'm suddenly going to turn scary? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. Because some of the films that you've liked in the past, I didn't expect you to be like, that was awesome. And then ones, I think the ones you didn't like, I wasn't surprised by. Did you expect me to like The Raid? No. Not really? As much, not as much as you did. Oh, it's such a cool film. Yeah, it's incredible. So yeah, it's an interesting one. It might, it mm. might, we'll see how it goes. Maybe I will actually bite the bullet and just do it because I keep toying that one and then something better, like, well, something else comes from, oh, that's yeah. a good, that could be a good podcast. Cool, yeah. Okay, well, that's it from me. I don't have anything to add. Super. Just I hope this one bloody recorded. Yeah, I do as well. It's still going. The, the proof will be in the stopping. In the stopping. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, thank you very much for listening. I have been a movie grouch. And I've been a fanboy. Uh, if you are grouching over this film or if you are fanboying over it, drop us a line and let us know. You can find us on Instagram at Move Grouch and Fanboy Pod. We're on Twitter and we're on Facebook as well. Yes. Um, thank you very much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Take care. Uh, and we'll be back soon with another movie for me to potentially shit all over. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Take care and stay safe and... Cool, yeah. Bye. What she said. Bye.